Welcome to the Lewis Jonker Podcast. Lewis is a speaker, storyteller, preacher and poet. Hope you get something out of this talk. When I was growing up in Biloela, I used to go to a Steadfords. And a Steadfords were like drama and music not really competitions, competitions, they're more like showcases. So you get a, a speech and drama teacher or a music teacher and they'll teach you a song or they'll teach you a poem or they'll teach you a, a piece of prose. And then you go to the Civic Centre, which is essentially like Bill Wheeler's equivalent of Laycock Street Theatre. And then you, you perform a piece in front of adjudicators who come from Brisbane or the big cities or whatever they might come. And, you, and, that's, and that's what an Estedford is. And they give you a mark out of 100. And then they tally all your points from all your different pieces of performance. And then you get an overall score. And you try win the big trophy at the end of the Estedford. And then they pick some of the best pieces from, from the week of like performances. And they have an Estedford concert where they invite the whole town. 5,000 people. That's the whole town for clarity. And they watch you perform your, your pieces. So I got to do a mime. Mm. I was literally a, a mime. And I remember getting ready to go to this concert. It would have been like on a Friday night at 7 o'clock. And uh, I was running a bit late, so I remember like running out the back and um, going up the hallway past all the... the the change rooms and, and heading up the stairs to get onto the stage, like rushing in my mime attire. And at this point in time in high school, I, I had a bit of a crush on one of my fellow uh, drama students uh, who I really, really, really liked. And as I'm running up the stairs, I'm running up the stairs, I'm about to get on stage, they're calling my name. This person I had a crush on, she came and gave me a kiss on the cheek. Ooh. And Mr. Chambers, my music teacher, was standing there and he was like, what you did, ooh. (laughs) And in this moment of pure joy, boy, did I feel seen and loved and noticed. It was like my whole life was coming together for once. You know what I mean? And this was moments before I had to get on stage. And I tell you what, That was the best performance I've ever done in my life. I had all the mime movements down pat, you know, like I was, I tell you what, the audience were enthralled. Best performance I've ever done because I genuinely believe that you perform better when you know you were loved. You perform better when you know you were loved. My question for the room tonight is, do you know that you were loved. My assumption is that because of some people's upbringings, because of some people's relationship history, because of things you've been through, mistakes you've made, things that happened to you that were no fault of your own, my assumption is that some people in this room might not know that they are loved. Or perhaps you've heard lots of sermons on love. I mean, this is the Christian sermon. This is the gospel. It's all about love, love, love. Maybe you've heard it a million times. And Pastor Travis put this so well this morning. Maybe you know it up here in your head, but you don't, you don't feel it. You don't, you don't experience it down, down here in your, in your heart and in your soul. And so my question for the room is, do you know that you are loved? And my other question is, how has your performance been lately? Are you up there miming about? enthralling the audience? Are you living your best life? Or through a moment, 
moments in your life where you feel your performance fading a little, where you feel tired, exhausted, burnt out. Maybe you're falling back into patterns that you know aren't good for you. And I wonder if that could be connected to the first question about knowing how deeply loved you are. Maybe you need a new revelation of how loved you are. And today I wanna take a deep dive into the word. I want us to see afresh the truth of God's unfailing love, but this can't just be head knowledge. I want us to experience it. I want us in the flow, performing at our best. So I'm gonna try to see the patterns in this book that might teach us something about how loved we are. So I'm gonna start a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago, Jewish prophets, men gifted by God himself to see the future essentially, declared that a saviour was coming. And one of them was named Isaiah. And Isaiah, he said, God's servant is coming. God will uphold him and delight in him. Thousands of years ago, these men declaring a saviour's coming, God's servant who God will uphold, who God will delight in. And then about 800 years after Isaiah, baby Jesus was born. Uh, He didn't actually have a halo and he may not have been this white and blonde, but you get the point. Over the next 30 years, almost without even fully revealing who he is over the next 30 years, Jesus grows in wisdom and stature and he works as a carpenter, as a, a, a tradie job. And at 30 years old, Jesus at 30 years old, his hair got darker over time, Jesus decided to get baptised, yay. And his baptism was this declaration, this, this announcement that my ministry is about to begin. I'm about to show the world who I am. There's about to be miracles. There's about to be healings. There's about to be saving of the entire world. And in this glorious moment, it was so glorious. It was like this special moment, like, and, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and the heavens opened, and the voice of God was heard. This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Isaiah the prophet said, God's servant is coming. But God makes it a bit more personal. No, this is my son. Isaiah says God will uphold him, but God makes it a bit more personal. He says, whom I love, who I'm upholding with my love, and with him I am pleased. So, it would be easy to read these words and just think that this scripture is revealing to us the relationship of the Trinity. We have the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father in one place. And we have God the Father speaking to God the Son, Jesus, and declaring his thoughts about Jesus. But I wonder if we can learn something. If we delve into Scripture deeper, maybe these words hold weight and can reveal how God thinks about us as Jesus followers, as Christians. So I'm going to do a deep dive, and I'm going to call this uh, 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 pattern theology. And by pattern theology, I mean I'm going to jump around and, and see scriptures from a bunch of different books so that we can put them together and almost see a systematic, a systematic way of looking at the Bible to see how God truly views us. So I'm going to go through each of these three statements. I'm going to do a deep dive, and we're going to see, I'm going to hope that God reveals his love to you. 
The first statement, of course, is this is my son. Jesus, obviously, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, was God's son, one and only son. But the question that we might ask is, does God view us as sons and daughters? Does God view us this way? Are we sons and daughters? Does God look at us and say, my son, my daughter? Is that the way that God looks at us? Here's a few simple scriptures. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We have Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We have Galatians 3.26. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. This beautiful declaration that when we come to Jesus and in faith we accept him, we are adopted into sonship. We become sons and daughters. Each one of us, when we trust in Jesus, become a son and daughter of God. I believe God would look out at this room because I believe if God wasn't omnipresent and was only able to be in one place at one time, which... He is omnipresent, so he can be at all places at all times. But let's just imagine for a second he could only be in one place at one time. I'm sure he would be attending uh, NVBC PM service. And I'm sure if he was here with us and he was looking out across this room, he would look at you and he would say, my son, my daughter, my son, my daughter, when you have faith in him. Not only that, but even before Jesus, we have to remember that Genesis 1.27 reminds us that God created mankind in his image, in his likeness. You have the fingerprint of God on you. I never had trouble really understanding that I was a child of God, mostly because of the music that I listened to. I am a child of God. Uh, but there's... Better music. And so I'm going to show you a video, so I'm going to warn Matt Roberts at the sound desk that this next slide is going to have sound to it. Uh, this is what my parents had a VHS of and I listened to growing up. It's called Cedarmont Kids. And uh, I just want to play a minute and a half of this song. So I'm going to click next, and in theory, the video should play. But if not, Sam up the back, you might be able to help me. Father Mm. Now, that's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> um, like growing up, that was, I had a VHS of that. I'd watch that on repeat. I mean, looking back on it now, I only just sort of downloaded it today. I, I'm like, I'm a bit worried those kids were kidnapped. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's like some horror movie stuff. That's like, that's like you've sat down to watch, uh, you know, some sort of slasher movie, and then the credits go, and then the movie's about to be. Anyway, 
is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but is the children of the prophet who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. I remember singing this as a kid, right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg, chin up, turn around, sit down. I'm one of them and so are you. This idea that we are adopted into God's chosen family through faith, that the the title of son and daughter is not just for the Jews, the, the actual physical descendants of Abraham, but for anyone who has faith. Abraham was the father of faith. And if you have faith in the father, you become a son and daughter of God. So I, I never had trouble believing that. It was sort of ingrained in me through this propaganda. But I wonder if you need to grasp it, you know, like a childlike faith spinning around with your right arm and your left arm and your right leg and your left leg and your chin up and you're falling over. I wonder if you can grasp that you're a son and daughter of God. The next point is whom I love. And your question might be, does God love me? And this is a reasonable question. Does God love me? Perhaps you've been through pain, loss and grief. Does God really love me? Perhaps you're caught in the cycle of uh, mistakes and going back to things you know you shouldn't be going back to, you know, like a sort of addiction. And it's like, could God really love me? Perhaps there's a brokenness inside of you that you can't even explain. Does God really love me? Perhaps um, you know what I'm saying. We've all got our perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Does God really love me? Could he really love me? Well, let me declare over you. Psalm 36, 7, how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings, declared by a musician, a psalmist of old. But even before the time of Jesus, declaring the love of God. For God so loved the world. You know the I won't assume you know the rest of this verse. It could be your first time in church, but the, fam- the famous verse, the one that people put on bumper stickers, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. This is a God of love. We love because he first loved us, 1 John 4:19, And in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Got a great sermon story that I thought of myself. Have you ever seen a kid eating spaghetti? I'm just joking. I was about to steal Pastor Travis's story from this morning. Uh, but that's a good plug to go and listen to the podcast from this morning because Pastor Travis spoke on this same passage. And I tell you what, it was a great story about the spaghetti. Uh, so that's a teaser. Go listen to the podcast. But I thought of my own story. I thought of my own story. When I was like seven, eight or nine, I remember going to the local swimming pool and uh, the pool was sort of like it, it had the edge of the pool and then a concrete slab and then there were these gutters which caught all the water but the gutters would often not only catch water, but it would, it would stay there for a long time, get stagnant, and it would catch a lot of mould or, or like gooey sort of slippery slime. don't know if you've ever stood on a puddle that is, you know, it's got some slippery slime there. 
And I remember I hadn't even got in the water yet, but I'm at the local pool with my family and I'm running, I'm running to get, on, get in the pool. And I'm running on the concrete because I'm a, I'm a rule breaker. I'm a, I take risks, that's me. And I'm running on the concrete and my foot ends up in the gutter and I slip. And before I even have a chance to get into the water, I fall and I break my arm. Ooh. Not just any break, but you know, like the, the, the break break where you can like look at your arm and you go, mm, that's not right, you know. And I just, I must have cried or screamed or something. Because the next thing I remember, my dad must have been bolting, running behind me. He's picking me up and he's, he's rushing me out to the car and he's getting to them. I think my dad's a little bit of, you know, he's one of those dads that's a little bit, you know, like very uh, protective very, very, very protective. So before I even have a chance to like even think about what's happening, I'm in my father's arms, I'm being rushed out to the car, I'm being taken to the hospital, I'm screaming, crying in pain. I was broken and my father came to me to get me the healing, the comfort, the protection I needed. Now, if my dad went and looked at my arm and he just went, well, oh, that's a, that's a defected one. Let's uh, leave him for someone else to take home. That one's broken. Uh, I liked him when he was clean and whole and not broken, but he's got broken parts now. But of course my dad doesn't think that. In my brokenness, my father comes to me, gets me the healing, comfort, help that I need. And in your brokenness, your heavenly father will come to you. He's not waiting for your arm to heal on its own. He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. He's running to you. He wants to help. He wants to help. I think sometimes we need to let go of our adult pride and let him help like a child would. God's love. He really does love you. And I, I don't know if you feel broken or lost or hurting, but even while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. I hope by the end of tonight, you'll grasp that. And finally, finally, he says, with him, I am well pleased. With him, I am well pleased. What does it mean for God the Father to be well pleased with us? One of the things I thought about this little passage of scripture that God says to this 30-year-old Jesus, with him I am well pleased, is the fact that in some sense, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Jesus had not yet done his miracles. The next miracle straight after this, well, apart from avoiding all sin and temptation, would be turning water into wine. But before this, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. Jesus hadn't done any healings. Before this, Jesus wasn't really recognized as God's you know, son yet. He was just a carpenter. Just a carpenter, carpenter, noble job. But he wasn't yet, you know, bopping people on the head and they were lame their whole life and now they can walk, you know what I mean? He was making chairs. Or perhaps he was a stonemason. The word sort of just means architect or creator so it's entirely possible that he wasn't a carpenter at all but he worked with stone anyway tidbit of information there wasn't a lot of trees in Israel apparently at that time so it's entirely possible he worked with stone um, complete side note 
But it's not like he was, it's not like he was doing all, like he hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't fulfilled God's plan yet. But before he does all that, God says to him, with him, I am well pleased. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is, I've often thought this, and I don't know how I'm gonna explain this in words, but faith is believing and putting your trust in God. In, in, in to, to trust God is your father, is putting your faith in God. And it's with that faith that you can please God. So I think I've met a lot of Christians, it's like, how do I please God? Well, if you know God exists and you acknowledge him as your father, that means that you have faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That means that you had faith and you have already done enough. He's well pleased because when you come to Jesus, Jesus comes to live inside of you. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And God sees you with the same eyes that he sees Jesus, God the Father with the same eyes that he sees God the Son, Jesus. And he says, with, with him I am well pleased. With, with I am well pleased. There is nothing you can do to please God except to put your faith in him as your father. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I believe for those of us who trust and believe in Jesus, for those of us who acknowledge God as our father, I believe he would look into this room and he would say, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love and with him or her, I am well pleased. That's what I believe this scripture speaks to us. Even though I know it was said to Jesus at the point of his baptism, when I look at the Bible systematically, when I see the patterns, I know that God is trying to reveal how he sees us when we come to faith in him. You perform better when you know you are loved. Uh, Sam, may I please have the bit of prayer track? The reason I love the music is because it helps my wild brain focus because I have a million thoughts a minute and somehow music slows my thoughts down. This particular MP3 is by a guy named Noah Wonder and Noah Wonder puts these MP3s on YouTube so that people can have their prayer time with a bit of music. He is a Christian and he records all these sounds so that people can say, oh, I wanna have 30 minutes of prayer and put something on on YouTube and listen to the music track and slow their mind down, get rid of the distractions and pray. And so that's why I like the music. It's not because... I'm trying to manipulate your emotions. I'm just trying to calm down my brain. I want you to know how loved you are. I really do. Each and every one of you. My son, my daughter, who I love, God wants you to perform at your best. When we know that we're loved, we don't seek love in all the wrong places. 
And that can be a very easy thing to do. Seek wholeness and, and all this stuff in all the wrong places. You know, we uh, hang out with the kind of friends that give us attention, but it's a bit trying to fill that hole of love in all the wrong places. Or we text the wrong kind of person because we're trying to fill that hole, that emptiness in all the wrong places. Or perhaps we're posting something on social media in the hope that someone will tell us how good we look or, or how beautiful we are in the comments or in the hope that they'll double click it and like it so that we can know how whole we are. But the truth is when we, when we don't know we're loved, we try to find it in all the wrong places. But when you know you're loved, when you know you're loved by the Father, that's where the security comes in. And there's times in my life where I don't know the love that God has given me and I try to find it in all the wrong places. For sure, I've been through those seasons. But it's when I know the love of the Father that I feel secure and I perform at my best. I like to think when I'm getting up here to do a sermon or to do a talk, it's, you know, like I'm, I'm running up the wings and sometimes I can be stressed and I'm, you know, I'm thinking and, it's, and I'm running up the wings and it's like how, how beautiful a thought to think, you know, God the Father giving me a kiss on the cheek. Me being filled with, oh, I'm seen. God loves me. I'm a son. And maybe that means I can get up here and do my vocation. You know, this is my vocation. This is my job. And perform at my best because I know that I'm loved. Now, your job isn't sitting behind a table slash pulpit. Your job's you all got to go into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, Saturday. Then you've got to come back here next Sunday because you shouldn't neglect the gathering of believers. Um, what does it mean on your Monday to perform at your best, to wake up knowing that God is kissing you on the cheek, that you are seen, that you are loved, that you're a son and a daughter, that He's pleased with your faith? What does it mean to go to your workplace, your school, your university, wherever you're going on tomorrow? What does it mean to feel that kiss on your cheek so that you can perform at your best? You are deeply, 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 deeply loved. Is that Grant sitting up the back? No, I didn't see you walk in. How late were you? How much of my sermon did you hear? Eight to ten minutes. Well, let's start again for Grant. Uh, (laughs) Grant. You're a good man. You are deeply, deeply, deeply loved. That verse about like we love because God first loved us. Like I just feel like you you are just exploding, overflowing with love. And I just know it's because you have a deep sense that God loves you. And I just want to remind you that God really does love you and He loves, loves your entire family. Deeply, 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 deeply. And um, I'm inspired by you. I was just talking to someone the other day who was a teacher at Covey and uh, he was just raving about you. And I thought, yeah, Mm. wonderful. Doug, God loves you deeply. I don't know if you're a words of affirmation person or if the thought of me saying your name from the front will crush your soul. (laughs) Incredibly, I just love that God has granted you with wisdom and knowledge and the ability to read his word and understand it and really grasp the truth that he's really trying to say I think there's a there's a teaching gift in you and and even regardless of your gifts I just believe that God would say my son I love you I'm well pleased with your faith and um, 
I'm grateful to be getting to know you, getting to know you more. So, so, so young looking, so vibrant. Do you drink a lot of water? Yeah. I'm starting to get wrinkles and you're older than me and I just don't know how you've done it. Is God more pleased with you than with me? How do I wrap my theology around this? Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Auntie Chloe, daughter of God, God loves you deeply. God sees you. Tay Burden, I bought donuts for everyone tonight. And, uh, and then I was desperately trying to find dietary requirement things. And I thought, no point. <laughs> Too expensive, there's none on the shelves. But then I thought, oh, God loves Tay. God sees Tay, God knows Tay. Overwhelmingly, wonderfully. So I went to a different shop. And I found some treats just for you. I hope you like chocolate chip muffins. Because mm. God knows you and He sees you and He loves you deeply, Tay. And um, you can share some of the dietary requirement stuff with your mum if you want. No, because <laughs> God loves her too. Mm, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Jenny, so glad you're an elder. God loves you, daughter of God. Shining light in the darkness. With you, He is well pleased. Cherish the grape picker. My goodness, does God cherish you. Grace, beautifully, wonderfully made. Mm. And you're, you're from good stock. Is that what people say? Good stock, a good, strong family? Mm. But it doesn't matter who your family is. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. Absolutely. And I'm so, so happy that you're pursuing this, this calling that you've chosen and teaching and all these sorts of things. I guess that runs in the family too. But would you be a shining light in darkness in schools in the future? Would you be able to speak to people? Would you be able to prophesy God's love? All those sorts of things because God's going to equip you. And my goodness, beautifully, wonderfully made. Mm. I as a called and ordained servant of the Lord. Someone who has chosen to do this is my vocation. Not because I have any power to do it, but because I believe it is my calling, I come to declare the grace of God to all of you. To say that you are loved, to say that you are a son and a daughter and to say that if you have faith in Him, with you, He is well pleased. We're gonna sing because singing's a prayer and we're gonna, we're gonna remember God's love and I want you to grasp it. I want you to sing. I want you to, I want you I just want you to know, I just want Heavenly Father to speak to you. That is what we're going to do. That is what we're going to do. Oh, I apologise, Josh. Your seat, sir. <laughs>